DFL Podcast, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening, and uh, hope the show can entertain you a little bit, or at least occupy you a little bit, give you a sense of normalcy during these uncertain times with coronavirus, really doing a number on society. So a big thing now, it's crazy, we're only a week in, really, but a big thing now is everyone I talked to on the phone the last couple of days, so when do you think all this is going to end? When do you think staying in the house is going to be over? When do you think we won't have to self-quarantine? And I've been asked that a few times in the last day or two. I would bet on something late in April, mid-April. March is washed. Trump said something about Easter. What day is Easter? April 13th? Yeah, no, that's the little bit getting ahead of ourselves, I think, April 13th. I think we need to let this whole thing wipe clean for weeks. You know, I would say no earlier than last week of April. Better safe than sorry. I mean, we're already sorry. That's what it is. It's tough being stuck in the house. You got to find ways to stay active. Have I been active? A little, yeah. I've been going going for walks. I've been chopping wood, push-ups and stuff at home. I'm cooking a lot. I'm not eating, I'm not eating bad. I'm not eating great, but I'm not eating bad. I'm drinking a ton of coffee at home, like way more coffee because every day feels like a weekend morning. So I'm drinking a ton of coffee, more than I would at the office. Surprisingly, what I haven't been doing is I haven't been drinking. But I know wine and liquor stores are killing it right now. Oh, yeah. What else the fuck are you going to do than, than drink? You know, at the station downstairs from us is Stu Leonard's wine store. And all of the last two weeks, the parking lot has been packed more so than even the holidays. It, it, looks, like, it looks like the parking lot looks at Christmas and New Year's. Everybody is walking out to their cars with shopping carts, with cases of bottles of wine and booze, you know, six at a time. And it was busy every day, all day for the last week and a half. Yeah, certain industries are going to do very well at this time. Uh, Liquor stores were deemed essential. Did you know that? (laughs) Liquor stores were grouped in with all of the essential businesses that have to be open right now. Yeah, like pharmacies, supermarkets, gas stations, liquor stores were are open. That's 2020 in a nutshell. Shit keeps hitting the fan at an astronomical rate, but the liquor stores remain open. Well, here's the first on the show, a listener request to address mental health during the COVID-19 crisis. I think you've got to know yourself and know what you need and do whatever it takes to get those good, happy chemicals into your brain. Do what it takes. Go outside, exercise, stay inside, eat snacks, watch movies, play video games, cook, scrapbook, do puzzles, play with your pets, whatever makes you happy. You know what makes you feel happy. Do it during these times when you're staying home. Do it and really engage, really indulge in it, enjoy it thoroughly. Endorphins, dopamine, rewire yourself, turn on the good parts of your mind, work to eliminate worry. Now, I'm just thinking out loud. That's all easier said than done. I'm definitely not a medical professional, as evidenced by the car that I drive. But our mental health and the mental health of others requires pure, consistent, non-judgmental support systems. Don't leave yourself or anyone else to fend for themselves. Mental health is really important. I agree with you. Um, This topic came from Ellen. I agree with you, Ellen. Right now, Mental health is really important, and it's a good practice for everybody to talk about it 
and wipe away any stigma because it's a very tough time for people to get a balanced look at the world. The news coverage is flawed, to say the least. Social media outlets, we know the memes, the jokes won't stop coming. The coronavirus memes and stuff, that you can hardly avoid them. And a lot of it is insensitive. Many of us are guilty of it, but saying things like, I'm trapped in this house and I'm going nuts, or making jokes about introverts and social distancing. Those are real problems for people that get enhanced and multiplied at a time like this. And remember, before you judge somebody else or see somebody having a breakdown or talking a little crazy about their anxiety during this pandemic, before you judge or push aside anybody, remember that this is an actual historic level crisis. Only further cemented by the $2 trillion aid package the House and the Senate agreed on last night, this is a large-scale, all-inclusive lockdown of sorts. And there's a lot of fear being spread, and some folks just can't deal with it as easily as others. I've learned in my life, we're not all created equal when it comes to mental stability and logic, reasoning, the ability to put emotions aside even for a minute and take a measured look at the things around you. Not everybody can do that the way you and I can. Some people deal with crushing anxiety. Me, myself, I I only experience anxiety very, very rarely. You know, under extreme circumstances, I feel different for a second. But then there's others that live with mid to upper level anxiety all day, every day. Small triggers. Things happen to them all the time. And if they can't talk about it, then they're just living with it. And it's bottled up. And you'll never see it and you'll never know it. So remember that that may be the case with somebody. Cut people slack right now. As you're living your life the best way you can during this pandemic, understand not everyone is playing with the same mental equipment. And it's not enough to just be kind, to say, oh, be kind. Take that next step. Reach out. Check in on someone that you suspect to have some sensitivity to this current social, medical, financial climate. Assure them they're not alone in feeling that way. Show them that they have your support. Mental health problems are no different from any other kind of problems. It's not a weakness, not a weakness at all. All right, so we addressed the listener-requested topic. I believe in giving the people what they want. I've also been told early on here that you want to hear more stories, like that guy that stole my shopping cart. I've got plenty of stories. Should I tell one now? Okay. Back in the day, 17-year-old Tommy, two of his buddies... We're going into the city for a concert, a heavy metal concert at Hammerstein Ballroom. And we take the train into the city. Uh, I got a couple hundred bucks cash in our pockets. The plan was to scalp tickets to this show. We did not have tickets. So we get there, Penn Station, we go straight to Hammerstein Ballroom. We're standing out front. Concert starts in like, I don't know, an hour and a half, something like that. And we're trying to scalp tickets. We're trying to put out the vibe. (laughs) Three white kids from Long Island doing what we can to play it cool on the street. And uh, finally, a guy comes up to us, you know, sees the way we're dressed, sees us with our heavy metal t-shirts on. He goes, yo, y'all need tickets? Y'all trying to get tickets? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we need three. He's like, all right, all right. I can hook you up. I can hook you up. Like, okay, hook us up. (laughs) 
You know, like we're ready to just take the money out of our pockets right now. Like, give me the tickets and give you the money. He's like, no, 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 keep it down. No, no, we can't do that. Giuliani's out here cutting down big time on scalping tickets. And, you know, he like instills this fear in us that if a cop sees the transaction, we're going to jail. Like we're in just as much trouble for buying the scalp tickets as he is for selling them. So he's like, yeah, I could hook you up. I don't got them on me right now, but I could get them. Like, okay, three tickets. I think he said a hundred bucks or something like that. We're supposed to wait a little bit and then he's going to meet us. So we wait around. He leaves. He comes back, says he talked to his guy and his guy does indeed have three of those tickets for this particular show. It was Pantera and we're ready to do it. But again, he tells us that we can't be spotted talking to him. It's too suspicious. So we go inside a Chinese restaurant. He picks the place and we sit down, the four of us, and uh, he buys us dinner. I wasn't hungry. I remember I got like a cup of green tea, but he straight up bought us Chinese food out of his pocket. You know, Matt got some soup, wonton soup or something like that. I remember Jim drank a Sprite. He had, this gentleman had something <laughs> and we're all friends. We're all sitting here relaxing. Nothing weird about this. Uh, so he gets us to A, be afraid that we're going to get arrested. And then he gets us to B, let our guard down around him because he buys us Chinese food. So we leave the Chinese restaurant, and now he's asking for money. He's asking for 40 bucks, I think, just as a sign of good faith as he goes across town to get the tickets physically in his hands. So at this point, we're cool with it, right? What do we have to lose? He bought us dinner. He's been hanging out with us for the last 35 minutes. We give him 40 bucks. He says, meet me at the Blarney Stone, which is a bar that still exists to this day. So he leaves, and after 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 35 minutes, we're getting closer to the concert. And we're hanging out near the Blarney Stone, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, yeah, he's not coming back. He screwed us out of $40. We're not that upset, but we're kind of bummed because the guy seemed like he had the tickets, and we really want to go to the show. We're now convinced that we've been screwed out of 40 bucks. So we're walking from the Blarney Stone back to Hammerstein now. It's, it's taken way too long. We're not expecting to see this guy again. And he spots us from across the street and shouts to us. Yo, where the fuck were y'all? I, I was looking for you. And we're like, we're at the Blarney Stone where you told us to be. He's like, nah, nah, I was over there. I was over there. Some story, some bullshit. And he's like, I got your tickets. And now we totally believe him. Because if he wanted to scam us out of the $40, he wouldn't have shouted across the street to us before we had an opportunity to see him. He would have just kept walking. We didn't see him. But he shouted across the street to us, got our attention, and says, I got him. So everything's good in the world. <laughs> Matt and Jim decide that I'm the one with the street smarts. 17-year-old Tommy, I, that's debatable. But I go down the street with him, around the corner, into some alley. And he's got a friend with him. Now it's feeling a little shady. But he takes the remaining money that we owed him, 60 bucks, whatever. And he hands me an envelope. And he's like, yo, I'll see you later. I'll be at the Blarney Stone. I'm like, uh, okay. And he walks away in the blink of an eye and I open up the envelope and it's a page of a magazine that had been ripped out and folded up and there's no tickets. And it took a second to register with me. Like, what is this? Like, what am I meeting him up, meeting up with him a fourth time? <laughs> is this like a decoy that he gave me in case cops were watching? It took a second. Then I'm like, no, wait, he's now he has 100 of our dollars and we have no tickets. <laughs> 
it makes all the sense in the world why he shouted across the street when he spotted us because he wanted to fuck us out of a hundred, not just forty. <laughs> so I walk back down the street, break it to Jim and Matt. Everyone's pissed. You know, we're good friends though. We're not. No one's blaming anybody. We're just kind of like, well, what's our next move? You know, Karma will get that fucking guy. He'll he'll get what's coming to him. If if he needs our hundred dollars that bad, whatever. Good job. You know, checkmate. You win. But now we're thinking, what's our next move? So remember, Tommy's the one with the street smarts. So I'm focused. We go back to Hammerstein. We're going to find another guy that's scalping tickets. So we find another cat just like this guy. Smooth talker. But I'm not taking any shit this time. And I'm like, look, the first band finished playing already. The show's halfway over. You're not going to get these tickets sold except for us three. There's nobody else out here. But the guy only had two. So Jim says... You guys like Pantera more than I do. You two go to the show, and I'll wait. And Matt and I took him up on that offer. So we bought two tickets from this guy without any drama at all. Jim went to McDonald's, and Matt and I saw Pantera at Hammerstein Ballroom. Concert ends. We go into McDonald's, and Jim is sitting right where we left him. Uh, Looks like he'd had some nuggets. He's got a pretty miserable face on. Matt's got scratches on his neck and arms from the mosh pit. I'm wearing a wife beater. My ripped t-shirt is in my hands. We're both exhausted, sweaty. And Jim looks up and says, so how was it? Matt and I are like, you know, honestly, dude, it was okay. (laughs) It was all right. You know, it was an awesome show. It was an unbelievable show. And uh, Matt, Jim, and I will never forget that night or that show. And on the train ride home, Matt and I promised Jim that the next time Pantera came to town, we would provide transportation and a ticket for Jim to go. And we did that. I think a year later, Pantera had a show at Nassau Coliseum. And uh, I had some girl's dad drive all of us. We got there in one piece and we paid for Jim's ticket. And Jim saw Pantera and was very thankful. And that's the story. And it's funny because it's not a good feeling to get scammed. Even when you're a stranger in a strange land, you know, 17-year-old Long Island kids messing around in the city with a pocket full of cash, you're going to get screwed. Uh, But it makes you smarter. It's a lesson. I recently went upstate and made a big purchase. And throughout the whole process, I asked 100 questions. And I was very shrewd. And I was not eager to trust everybody during the process. And they had to give me a look like, hey, you know, we're good people. We're, we're going to do right by you. But it's, it's a New York thing. It's a Long Island thing. You know? Scams happen more out here than in other parts of the country. So you got to stay one step ahead. You got to be smart. 